It's Thursday, November the 12th, and this is your morning briefing from The Economist, sponsored by TD Ameritrade. Coming up, Hong Kong's democratic opposition quits and Myanmar's tastes sour grapes. First, the world in brief. All of Hong Kong's pro-democracy lawmakers said they would tender their resignations after four of them were expelled from the territory's legislature. The four were disqualified after a resolution was passed in Beijing to allow Hong Kong's pro-China government to unilaterally remove legislators whom it deems disloyal to the territory or the mainland. All four were considered moderates, none supported independence. The legislature was one of the few forums left in Hong Kong in which opposition voices could be heard. Myanmar's Union Solidarity and Development Party, an opposition party backed by the army, rejected the results of last week's election and called upon the Electoral Commission to hold another vote. Though complete results have not yet been released, early tallies indicate that the ruling National League for Democracy, led by Aung San Suu Kyi, would be returned to power. The European Union agreed to buy 300 million doses of a COVID-19 vaccine developed by Pfizer and BioNTech, two pharmaceutical companies. The firms announced on Monday that their vaccine was 90% effective in preventing symptomatic cases. They expect to be able to begin distribution by the end of the year, pending regulatory approval. Two days after Pfizer announced encouraging results for its COVID-19 vaccine, Moderna, a rival drug maker, said it was on track to report early data from a late-stage trial of its rival vaccine later this month. Moderna began Phase 3 trials, the final stage before it can be approved for use, at the start of July. The number of patients in American hospitals with COVID-19 hit a new record of almost 62,000, surpassing the high watermark set in April. More than 139,000 new infections were counted yesterday, another record. The disease is more widespread during this surge, especially in remote areas. Some hospitals are reporting that they have too few staff to cope. President-elect Joe Biden named Ron Klain as his White House Chief of Staff. Mr. Klain performed a similar role for Mr. Biden when he was Vice President. Mr. Klain was appointed Ebola Tsar in 2014, when that disease briefly threatened America. Mr. Klain's part in the contested presidential election of 2000 was played by Kevin Spacey in Recount, a Hollywood film. And Alibaba said it made sales of $70.6 billion by the evening of the first day of its Singles Day shopping event, which this year will last four days. In spite of the positive news from the e-commerce giant, shares in many Chinese tech companies, including Alibaba, fell after regulators in China signaled plans to clamp down on anti-competitive behaviour by fintech firms. And now, here's today's agenda. The Great Heffalump Hunt, the GOP v. Democracy. Joe Biden won the popular vote by more than 5 million. When the counting is done, he will probably have won 306 electoral votes. His current total stands at 279. Yet most elected Republicans have withheld customary congratulations or supported Mr. Trump's effort to reverse the results through litigation. His campaign has filed lawsuits based on tenuous claims of voter fraud in five states that Mr. Biden won. None has yet been successful. In several states, even a successful suit would not shift enough votes to overturn the result. Georgia's Secretary of State has announced an unusual full recount by hand to assuage doubters. 
Republicans may be humoring Mr. Trump, but his administration has yet to formalize a presidential transition, which usually happens within a day of the election being called. Astoundingly, 86% of the president's voters regard Mr. Biden's victory as illegitimate. Mr. Trump's sowing of distrust in elections may prove his most damaging legacy. Down, down, down. Inflation in America. Since the pandemic hit, the American government has passed around $3 trillion worth of stimulus to support the economy, while the Federal Reserve has radically loosened monetary policy to make borrowing super cheap. Add in a big shock to supply, with businesses closing by the million, and many economists had wondered whether America was in line for a big bout of inflation. Data released today will provide further evidence that the inflationistas were wrong. Annual consumer price inflation will probably come in at around 1.3% for October, lower than the month before. Inflation is declining, not rising, in part because savings remain high while demand for investment remains exceptionally low. And inflation expectations are now well-grounded, unlike in the high-inflation 1970s, largely because central banks are more credible than they once were. Some economists continue to warn investors that a bout of inflation is just around the corner, but the inflationistas should not hold their breath. Crossroad Blues, Nagorno-Karabakh's peace deal The Russian-brokered peace deal that ended a six-week war between Armenia and Azerbaijan over Nagorno-Karabakh, an ethnic Armenian territory inside Azerbaijan, represents a huge geopolitical shake-up in a turbulent region. Three factors brought it about. Turkey's growing assertiveness in backing Azerbaijan, Russia's refusal to protect Armenia's populist leader, and America's disengagement from the area. Under the deal, Armenia will lay down arms and withdraw from the districts surrounding Nagorno-Karabakh, which will host a 2,000-strong Russian peacekeeping force for at least five years. Turkey, a key background player, will receive its prize too. A direct transport corridor through Armenian territory to the main part of Azerbaijan and the Caspian Sea. Armenians curse their prime minister for the defeat, while Azerbaijan's president would prefer not to host Russian troops. But one upshot should please all. A planned road from Azerbaijan proper to Nakhchivan, an Azeri exclave bordering Turkey, could enrich everybody. Peace in Paris, Macron's vaccine mission. France will today host the official ceremony for the third edition of its Paris Peace Forum, a three-day talking shop held mostly online with 50 world leaders taking part. This year, as if with a nod to Joe Biden's election as America's president, the forum's objective is bouncing back to a better planet. President Emmanuel Macron hopes to encourage cooperation over COVID-19, including how to secure wide access to vaccines. Debates between public leaders, NGOs and private sector delegates will also touch on green recovery, sustainable finance, gender equality, cyber disinformation and multilateralism, among other topics. Africa will feature heavily in discussions, particularly how its country's health systems can best deal with the pandemic. Despite the presence of 5,100 French soldiers in the Sahel as part of a continuing counter-terrorism operation, the continent's security troubles will not be on the agenda. The focus in Paris for these three days, at least, is peace, not war. Disney Plus, Disney Minus, Results Time COVID-19 has flattened some entertainment businesses and turbocharged others. 
Disney, which will publish earnings today, is an example of both. Its resorts division, which last year accounted for the largest chunk of its revenue, has been hit by theme park closures and docked cruise ships. Its movie business has been put on hold by cinema closures, and its cable channels have been hurt as ESPN, its sports brand, has had fewer games to show. The bright spot is video streaming. Hulu, majority owned by Disney, and Disney Plus have made the most of a captive audience. Analysts forecast that by the year's end, a third of American households that stream video will subscribe to Disney+. The service has an additional purpose, harvesting data on customers to whom Disney can flog plastic lightsabers, Queen Elsa dresses and holidays with Mickey Mouse when the pandemic has subsided. With a vaccine on the horizon, that fairy tale ending is coming into sight. Finally, here's the quote of the day from Auguste Rodin, who was born on this day in 1840. Nothing is a waste of time if you use the experience wisely. That's it from The Economist Morning Briefing, available every weekday and on Saturdays. You can hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, by searching for The Economist on your podcast app or asking your smart speaker to play the latest Economist radio podcast. And we'd like to hear from you. Please tell us what you think of The Economist Morning Briefing by answering a short survey at economist.com forward slash morning briefing survey.